Infamous cult leader Charles Manson is dead. Manson died at age 83. Manson was the leader of the so-called Manson family, a roving commune of disaffected young people. Question, are you uh, guilty of any murders? Are you guilty of plotting any murders? I killed a chicken once. Feelings towards everything. I feel no bad. I'm not a sniveler. I don't cry. Charlie Manson crazy? Well, whatever that means. Sure, he's crazy as mad as a hatter. What difference does it make? Like when he tried to, as he puts it, take me to a higher level. Every day. All my life, I've been on that line. I don't, I don't ever see anything. Tell me in a sentence who you are. Nobody. I'm nobody. I'm a tramp, a bomb, a hobo. I'm a boxcar and a jug of wine. I've been carrying Linda Ding Dong across these little piggybacks on Ruby Goop. What was Mother Goop? When I stand on the mountain, I say, do it. It gets done. If it don't get done, then I'll move on it. They're playing boats and planes and trains and rabbits and ducks and uh, um, swings and hearts and little girls and... Uh, Everything that you can think of when we started the rainbow, uh, uh, the rainbow. You see what I'm saying? In other words, I have to go into another person and put on another face. I got it, I got it. Play, you know. I understand. So you say to text your only one. That's right. Sure. Make myself and grab it. I don't want to take my time going to work. I got a motorcycle and a sleeping bag and 10 or 15 girls. What the hell I want to go off and, do, and, and go to work for? Work for what? Money? I got all the money in the world. I'm the king, man. I run the underworld, guy. everybody we're back for episode number six i'm cute i'm 
Can you hear me okay? Or is it too loud? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the music's a little louder than you. Okay. I, I'm, I'm not going to use that actual file, so it's fine. <laughs> I'm just going to talk us into it. So, hey, what's up? Uh, hey, everybody. I'm Q. I'm Jewish Dave. And this is Bird Road, episode six. This You're in for it. Episode six. Can you believe it? <laughs> my, my favorite part of that is I run the underworld guy. <laughs> um so no th- yeah we we lost a little angel this morning a beautiful little angel <laughs> well I, I i gotta tell you right before we started the show um i was actually texting with my uh partner in murder rap mc random and i was like i really want to post something about like rest in peace charles manson we love you on our mc random and jewish dave page but I think it's a little too far. And he was like, yeah, definitely too far. And uh, here you go. <laughs> it gets not too far for Q. No, uh, it's, that's the thing. is I, What I was trying to say in that is, is I, I mean, I remember growing up in the 80s when, um, you know, the concept of Charles Manson and those killings were really fetishized by media. Mm-hmm. What we're really poking fun at with that little intro, with that skit that we did is um all the the asshole reporters that are there like trying to f- delve and find some deeper meaning from a maniac they're, and right, they, they think right, what they're yeah. doing is profound and they think that what they're doing is brave and they think that what they're doing is special interesting hard-hitting journalism just because a lot of people are gonna watch it because people love to see dumb stuff even back before the <laughs> internet people would be like right. oh there's gonna be a Charles Manson interview tonight you know Jane Polly is inter- interviewing Charles Manson. Who cares? People what does have he have to say? Th- people have always been thirsty for just awful spectacle. And now they get it more than ever, but back then it was it was like a treat. Yeah, it was a it was a real delicacy. <laughs> you would get one Charles Manson interview interview every like five to ten years, and he would just get to unload and act out all his like crazy bullshit. And people would be like, Oh my god, just wallowing in the how crazy is he? shit of, of it all you know it was yeah. and the, the poor counterculture kids would only have like three clips to play over and over again right <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was that that we, we we lost something really special that I, I also threw in the marilyn manson music because i wanted to talk i, I wanted to like that oh hang on hang on one second there's like loud noises outside my house i just want to <laughs> wait wait for it to go away and also, I might be getting my uh, Postmates <laughs> at, any, at any moment. My Postmates. Also, I might be getting my nummies. I'm, my nummies might be arriving. <laughs> the nummies may be here. Uh, not yet. They'll be here any minute. Um, I'll keep my phone here. But do you remember like how... Let me re- reframe it like this. Look at Marilyn Manson now and what everybody thought was so shocking. And mm. so, like, out there. It's so weak and pathetic and dumb. It's so contrived and boring now when you look at it. Just like Charles Manson. Just like the edginess of what Charles Manson was. It's like, he was just a killer. He was just a person who, who killed people. There's nothing interesting <laughs> about him. He's crazy. There's a million people like him who, you know, go about their day every day and kill some, end up killing somebody and end up, you know, in jail. Is it possible that we are a little desensitized? Maybe. <laughs> Is it possible that 
these things really are shocking and terrible and it's just we see so much of it that we can't even tell it anymore i mean maybe dude but i just feel like maybe that's all i'll give it is a maybe is like posing the big questions here like like tupac said that people have been dying for years how can you blame us (laughs) (laughs) that's that's he's he was actually a a poet when you think about it welcome to bird road um so last night let's let's round up our news really quick last night jewish dave was on kings without crowns our boys uh over the kings without crowns um the las vegas podcast how did it go tell me about it um what was it like give me give me the give me the lay of the land this is kings without crowns one of the more popular um like las vegas area podcasts going on yeah um it was it was a lot of fun we like they uh they go over to this uh studio um oh shit that's professional it's like all, yeah it's all set up real nice and everything they got a whole like control room and everything and it was a, it was a nice setup uh and we all like circled around a table and just kind of just you know had a conversation there it's kind of like uh you know a little bit like what we do um they kind of just you know go a little more uh i guess organically like just kind of just talking about whatever in the moment um but it all you know kept moving and everything and it was fun and we had a good conversation and some laughs and uh, And he promoted bird road which is the most important thing and i I promoted bird road of plenty um and from my understanding i think there was actually some technical difficulty with the live stream if that's what you listen to but when it goes up as the full podcast it should be the full uh thing no dude Um, i didn't i didn't didn't listen to the live you didn't listen no i did not son of a bitch Missed that um, one. I did listen <laughs> to the recording though, and one of the things I've noticed because I, I subscribed to them on um, on SoundCloud. Um, mm. There's okay, so like the way that people make podcasts and the way that we make podcasts is like through varying degrees of of editing. Like mm-hmm. we'll talk for two, almost two and a half hours, and cut out a lot of it. And um, but that's because we like talking to each other, and um, and then like you'll have something on the way opposite end of the spectrum, like radio lab where they'll compile hundreds and hundreds of hours of, of recording and painstakingly, uh, you know, assemble it in some vacuum sealed <laughs> editing bays somewhere and, and, and go over every single little inch of sound that they, that they have. And, and uh, you know, that's their thing, right? These guys do something completely different, which is they just take, every individual sound file and just upload it as its own podcast. So we will go, you and I right now, we'll go through in the course of our two, two and a half hours of recording, we'll go through maybe five or six sound files. I had maybe a half dozen sound files that I worked with to put together that, that skit at the, the opening. And, you know, we'll put it all together into one audio file and upload it. These guys seem like they upload every single individual audio file. Cause I was listening to, Random music, sounds of people walking through stores or through <laughs> public areas, uh, try, trying to get to the part where you talk. I, I there was a lot of flotsam and jets. I noticed. Is that what you were talking about with respect to the uh, the the technical problems or anything? I don't even know what they were in the moment. I couldn't even tell. Um, I just know they were saying that after before I uh, headed out. Um, so I'm not even sure to be honest. But uh, I'll, I'll be. Looking forward to listening to it, see how it came out once uh, 
you know, if I, I don't know if they're like still have to edit it or if it no, went dude, up. Dude, I don't think there was a whole lot of editing going on because it posted, <laughs> it posted like right after you were done. I went on onto their SoundCloud page and I heard it last night at like eleven o'clock Florida time. So you know, oh, <laughs> it was already up. I gotta check it out. <laughs> but no, it was fun though. It was definitely a lot of fun being on there. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll go there again sometime. And oh yeah, man. Know, we're we're talking about. Uh, you know, trying to meet up with a bunch of other podcasts. And, yeah, yeah, it's, you know. it's the promotion. It's the organic way of doing things. Nobody's just gonna, nobody's just gonna do you a favor and listen to you. Um, <laughs> you gotta go out there and fucking earn it. I'm also gonna be sending them uh, my most recent album, Head Like Fire. They're gonna use it as their background music for next episode, I believe. So, everybody, check out their next episode too. Here's some of my music. Nice. I have that on my computer. It's always like one of the first things I have it downloaded, I think, and Did you that buy head, it? Head, yeah, I, I bought it. Head like fire, and then echoes, echoes in the dark, <laughs> two yeah. Jewish Dave albums. When I plug what, in my the middle f- one, what's the middle one called? I, I have three albums. Um, voices in my bra, my my bra, <laughs> voices in my barn. <laughs> echoes in the dark, and then you went through your quiet period, and then you had. <laughs> Voices on my brain, and then that's that my quiet period. That was the period where you didn't talk to me. You just wouldn't <laughs> reply to anything I would say. You went through a quiet period. I don't know what, what was going on. Um, and then we had, uh, yeah. And then after that was what was the next one after that? That's um, it was called an unseen sky. An unseen sky. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch yeah, it's Unseen Sky I would download Unseen Sky if I were you everybody because I don't have it and so you can loan me that one if you're listening you don't have my second album I would be stunned I would be stunned if in the course of my career as a journalist producing over f- half a million hey, I, words I of copy if you to ever if you ever read <laughs> a word that I wrote I subscribe to Poder Magazine. Poder. Poder. <laughs> Poder. Yeah, much better. Is that better? Is way that less better? way less offensive. <laughs> Significantly less offensive. Um speaking of things that you that one of us would find offensive, um I, I, I included on our little run run through of the news uh this from the independent um coming out of the more great news for Brexit, uh, not so much political or anything like that, but more like, um, here's the headline. MPs vote that animals cannot feel pain or emotions into the new Brexit bill. bill. Can, I, can I just say members of par- MPs? <laughs> members of Parliament have voted to reject the inclusion of animal sentience, the admission that animals feel emotion and pain into the EU withdrawal bill or the Brexit bill. The move has been criticized by animal rights activists who say the vote undermines Environment Secretary Michael Gove's uh, pledge to prioritize animal rights during Brexit. The majority of animal wef- war- the majority of animal welfare legislation comes from the EU. The UK government is tasked with adopting EU laws directly after March 2019, but has dismissed animal sentience. So basically, the only reason that British people weren't just like beating dogs in the streets which i mean they probably still were but the only reason that they weren't brazenly abusing animals is because they were required by law 
by the European Union to respect animals. And now that they don't have to, of all of the things that they're choosing to make Brexit about, they're like, oh yeah, by the way, fuck animals. We're going to demolish an animal's face like whenever we can. I didn't know that they were so disgusting over there. <laughs> I just had no idea. Doesn't it always change your like opinion when you're learning about a culture? You're like, oh, that's that's interesting. They have um, you know, an annual harvest festival. Oh, that's really cool. They do a thing where you know they pray to a god of 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 rain, and then you know they have a um a. a a party when when it does rain and you know all these th- all these like quaint things and they're like oh they have a day every year where they just bash dog skulls into into liquid <laughs> and they kill the like stray dogs of the neighborhood and like, doesn't it always say like you find them much less quaint now i'm not talking about fellow westerners the united kingdom i'm talking about more remote cultures that... right yeah <laughs> and now this so. i just think it's weird it, i mean you know from their point of view isn't the point to get away from barbaric type people that they think that that's what they are um which is obviously just a racist you know uh simplification of 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 it but i mean and then th- this is what they actually want is barbaric uh yeah this was the know. goal this was like one of the things like too to many. just be disgusting. The people who, who voted for Brexit were like, okay, what's our issues? Too many brown people. Uh, <laughs> the, t- 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 not enough um, not enough ale or lager. I don't know. Like what are the what are the issues? Oh, the jo- oh, the jobs are being white genocide. you know, we don't have any jobs left. Uh, I, I don't get it when I when I think and, okay, by the way, let's also be able to beat the shit out of animals um, or just treat them generally badly. Who cares? I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I'll confess that I'm not as well versed on the rise of Brexit as I am the rise of Trumpism here in the U.S. I'm, I'm pretty familiar with the well-trod uh, lines of those conversations and, and um, you know, firsthand, you know, like I've always said, living in a, in a state like this or living in a state like you live in, it's it's immediately obvious who the people are who voted for Trump and like what was going on there in the crazy movement that they've concocted in their head. This shit, I'm far less understanding of what it is. Not that I'm understanding of, you know, MAGA. Yeah. But. You know, I, I was sitting here while you were talking just trying to think of a, 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 a Trump America version of this. I think it would be like uh, if Trump voters wanted uh, the men wanted to be able to use women's bathrooms. That's their ulterior motive, you know. <laughs> so, who is your uh, person of the year? Who's the most influential person that that has touched your life and made you feel so good this year? Because Time Magazine. Just re- released their um, their Reader's Choice poll. Uh, they want to see who the uh, 2017 Person of the Year is going to be. Last year, of course, it was our our great president, Donald um, Donald Jacob Trump. I don't think that's his middle name. Donald <laughs> Donald John Trump. 
Don John Trump. Donald Je- Jebediah. <laughs> John- <laughs> Donald Jedediah Trump. Um, <laughs> a lot of real pieces of shit on this list. It's a fucking <laughs> weird list. And, and it, it, the last time I checked, I think Taylor Swift was winning so far. <laughs> no, <laughs> that can't be true. Oh my yeah, god, she what, is. What I, I, yeah, she's tied, I think, right? Yeah, she's tied with uh, Carmen Yulín from uh, Puerto Rico, the mayor of San Juan. Jesus um, Christ. I mean, and she's also tied with all women, all people who took part in the, me, the hashtag MeToo campaign. So the hashtag MeToo campaign is, is uh, I, you know, when it comes down to it, that's probably going to be the one that wins. Like right, what was right. it a few years ago where they where they they made Occupy Person of the Year? Occupy. Oh yeah, that's right. Emma Emma Stone is on this list. <laughs> it's just so bizarre. What did she do? I don't understand. Oh the, it was in 2011. Um, Time Magazine made uh the protester, the person of the year. Uh, that, was, that was very of the moment. You're very authoritarian when it comes to that. Like you're not interested in what the protesters have to say at all. Hey, I'm I'm a protester. I've protested. I protest. But I mean, that's not that's not a person, though. <laughs> I mean, I I, t- I take uh, rankings very seriously. I know. know, like you're one of these when people I when that I rank they... my movies, there's no ties allowed. You know, it's like there's got to be there's, there's rules. You know. So let's go through some of these and um, okay. just get some of your thoughts. Uh, Steve Bannon polling at two percent. Steve Bannon. There are two percent of the people respond to this, responding to this poll are, are are going with Steve Bannon. All these names on this list, they're going with Steve Bannon. I have to believe, for my sanity, that those are trolls. Yeah. And I mean, trolls love him, right? So I mean, it would make sense. But well, he has access I, to that Robert Mercer, uh, the Long Island wealthy right wing financier. Uh, army of trolls that if you ever have you ever seen this thing where uh you can enter a twitter handle in to this interface and it will tell you the percentage of fake troll accounts that are the followers of that account it'll tell you your percentage believe it let me see i believe that there's a thing like that i'm on twitteraudit.com we're gonna type in by david rosen and we're gonna audit your ass. Let's see how. Let's see what a fake fuck you are. Um, authorize the app. Jewish Dave has fifteen hundred twenty-two users, and it's being analyzed right now. Twenty-five percent analyzed. You have. What do you think? What's your guess of how many fake oh. followers you have? So out of your fifteen hundred and nineteen followers that you have, your one thousand fake means completely like a, not a real account. Like it doesn't just mean it's like uh, I don't really know looking to sell stuff. Right? Yeah, no, it doesn't mean it's a company. They would associate yeah. a company as real, but a fake would mean that it was that the account oh, was boy. was like a troll account or it was made only for like one purpose, like uh, for you know pushing a certain thing, or it's not like it, it's it's been reported that it's fake and that it's not it's not uh, it doesn't have any real. Merit I'm gonna go with I'm close. gonna go with 500, like a third of my. You are 99. percent You only have six fake followers. Oh, you I are. You, I you were gonna say the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, God damn it! <laughs> you. This is how Twitter audit sees David Rosen. Um, at by David Rosen. Um, real. They they feel that you're real. That you wow. keep it. You keep it real up in the field. Um, 
All right, let me see. That's probably because when one of these fake accounts follows me, I don't follow them back. I don't interact in any way, shape, or form. So they don't. Uh, they probably know not to send me so many. I guess I don't know. I am significantly more fake than you, though. I have <laughs> of my um, uh, of my nine thousand five hundred followers. I have um, three hundred and forty-one fakes. So my audit score is is ninety-six percent. I am ninety-six percent real. And they, they right. Twitter audit categorizes me as real. Okay, all of this is prelude to my point. Uh, Robert Mercer and his daughter, who uh, who who are again these wealthy, just disgusting animals that live in Long Island, the land of the most disgusting animals of all. Um, they <laughs> they it came out. Uh, I've been engaging in 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 creating these. What I think a lot of people have been blaming Russia for these these Twitter bots whose only job. I mean, like they they're kind of. Handfuls of them, dozens, thousands of them are, are guided by human hands, but they don't, they're not actual real people. The accounts are all like multiple sock puppets. So it came out that, you know, they, uh, they've been obviously pushing the, for years, the, 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 the Donald Trump, um, the, the Donald Trump platform. Um, so I'm going to run a little Twitter audit on real Donald Trump at real Donald Trump. And let's see where he stands. Our president with uh, some thirty million followers. Yeah, I have a question for you while yeah. you're uh, running that audit. Do you think horse ebooks affected the election? I, I think. <laughs> no, I think horse ebooks affected the 2012 election. He, I was definitely going to vote for Kucinich. I was going to write in Kucinich before uh, <laughs> horse ebooks t- uh, sent out that tweet about like learn how to go and be with them now. Ellipsis. <laughs> <laughs> that made me think. I was like, you know yeah. what? He has a point. <laughs> Our president, real Donald Trump, uh, of his actually, he's he's like over forty million followers now, eighteen million of which are fake. Of uh, a Twitter audit score of fifty seven percent. That is yeah. just the toilet. He's got eighteen million fake followers. Buying fake followers or having fake followers is just the saddest thing. It's so sad. It's just like the thing where you like pretend to be your own publicist. That's he would deny so that forever, forever, and ever. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that was my my the thing that popped into my head about Steve Bannon is like this two percent of people has to be the residual sort of sentience that the that those that group of eighteen million fake accounts is growing in the internet right now. Like somewhere there's disgusting primordial ooze of of life being born with like electrical impulses flashing around and and like those all of those accounts are are becoming sentient and becoming alive <laughs> they're all voting for steve bannon as time magazine person of the year so who's uh, voting for hillary clinton as person of the year oh jesus <laughs> she has real fans those people actually exist uh, i mean Like, that reminds me of people who follow Subway on Twitter. Like, (laughs) people who follow, people who, like, follow Target on Twitter. Like, why? Why are you doing that? Why would you? (laughs) Hillary Clinton is the political equivalent of Subway. It won't kill you right away. It won't, like, 
and there's and there's pedophiles working for her. <laughs> oh, boy. How about um? Oh, geez, the dreamers, the dreamers, every dreamer, all of them, all of them. Um, every last one. And coming in at six percent so far. So. Yeah, yeah, no, they're like they're hot on the heels of the 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 leaders of the pack. Mm-hmm. The Pope, I think the Pope is good for five percent every year. Like the Pope will get a solid showing every year. But I think people like this Pope too a little bit. I mean, as much as you could like a Pope, but know. he's better than the Nazi Pope, right? Exactly. I mean, like that's how are you gonna? I don't know. Are Catholics still doing the thing where they try to recruit? No, right? Catholics and Jews, they're like, they, they've... We don't care. They've reached capacity. They don't care. There aren't really that many Jews, but the Jews are There's really enough. not... There's enough. <laughs> you guys are really not interested in adding anybody else to the roles. I, no. I don't... <laughs> well, we're the chosen people, and there's only so much room for people. To be chosen. <laughs> Jamel hey, Hill. By the way, how, how, how mad is Trump to be tied with dreamers? Oh, my God. How Trump? How mad would Trump be to be? Uh, what are the dreamers? Six percent, and Trump is at six percent. Yeah. Man, you know what? I would love if Colin Kaepernick beat Trump. That would be like a nice <laughs> little. That would be a win. Oh, Rose McGowan like is at number is at two percent, mm-hmm. and I just think that that's a win everywhere for cocaine enthusiasts like me. <laughs> like people who. Don't too soon, s- Q. Too soon. <laughs> really? <laughs> I haven't done coke in years. Oh, her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vladimir Putin pulling four percent. It would be great if Putin and Ka- Kaepernick both beat Trump. That would be. There would be some symmetry in that. I think. Who is voting for Putin? <laughs> Steven Seagal is. We know Steven that. Seagal. Yeah. <laughs> Gerard Depardieu. <laughs> And Mark Zuckerberg again, another one that's like voting for a Quizno sub, like it's like Mark Zuckerberg. Eh, fine. I bet. How many people of the three percent of people that voted for Mark Zuckerberg do you think thought that they were voting for for Jesse Eisenberg? Right. <laughs> and then when they saw a real picture of Zuckerberg, they're like, "Oh, that's what he looks like. I don't Ugh. like him. He doesn't look like he could kill any zombies." Patty Jenkins, director of Wonder Woman. Where? She's in there? Pulling 2%. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Patty Jenkins, do better, man. Like, the, the movie was just okay. It was okay. It was pretty good. It was It, it was fine. It Ariana was... Grande with 4%. What? What is she? She's um, a pop star that does uh-huh. what song? What song does she do? I have no idea. It's very important for me that I present to people as being a person who doesn't know who Ariana Grande is. So I have to like do the whole, you know, meandering through asking who she is. Like, oh, what do you? I don't even know who that is. <laughs> I'm so, <laughs> I'm such a cultural. I'm old. I'm old and intellectually elite, and don't not not bothered by you know the trappings of the Ariana Grandes of the world and all that dumb shit. Um. Got her webpage bookmarked. Save that shit. I bet you do. <laughs> Follow her. She's one of my <laughs> fake followers on Twitter. <laughs> the fucking Saudi prince who just arrested everybody. <laughs> who just and is like gonna have 
is gonna have half of his uh, family decapitated and beheaded so that uh, that's so gonna that be one of these ones I don't recognize. Mohammed bin Salam, Salman, okay. Salman. Yeah, sorry, I don't, know. I don't Salman. know that name. Yeah, he's the Saudi prince There's who. There's a few on here I don't know. He's the Saudi prince who's basically responsible for an obscene amount of death right now in in uh, all, in a lot of places, but specifically in Yemen. And um, yeah, so I don't know who you would know be. My, you know, my pick would be entertainment related. Yeah, who is um, who is what, it? Louis, right? Well, yeah, definitely Louis. <laughs> People um, have asked me why haven't we brought up Louis again ever since the first episode where you full throatedly defended him. <laughs> um, I, I here's your chance. This is your opportunity right now. We're talking about Louis. You have the chance. To denounce him. Silence. Just what Silence. I thought. Just what I thought. <laughs> Silence. Him. I, I think I think we should move on to the next topic. <laughs> All I'm saying is you got to hear somebody else's side of the story. <laughs> I do think that we need to have a conversation on this show one of these days about separating art from the artist. Oh, I completely agree with that. I think that that's yeah. a great, great conversation to have. Also, they say you should never meet your heroes because they'll jerk <laughs> off in front of you and force you to watch it. And I think that that goes doubly true for you because one of your heroes is Louis C.K. That's right. And if you ever met him, there's a very good chance he would have forced you or whatever well, this, girl you were with I, to watch him masturbate. I think at this point it's safe to say that every single hero I have is probably... Garbage, you know, made of actual yeah. garbage, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I do hang out with you a lot, so, you know. <laughs> so who would your pick be out of these people or somebody else not on this oh, list? Man. I don't know. Um, I don't know. You you pick. Tell me who, who, who would be yours. Uh, Get my brain I, working. I don't fucking know. I... I do, I do have someone I thought of that's not on this list, and it's really cheesy, especially in a time that's so just volatile and just terrible right now. But And this is going to sound so privileged and ridiculous. Um, but for me, personally, it would be Shigeru Miyamoto. <laughs> for, for From the Nintendo. Yeah, because yeah. this year, of all years, I mean, this long into the history of Nintendo to make the best Zelda game of the, however, was it, almost 30 years of Zelda games, and one of the best Mario games, maybe top three easily uh, of all time, is pretty amazing, um, you know, to still have that much steam left and uh, to just really just nail it just so perfectly and make something so fun and so amazing to take your mind off of how terrible everything is. <laughs> I mean, I would go with like a theoretical f physicist or something. Anybody who's maybe, I don't know. And uh, I'll, I'll look it up a little more later, but like ever since the, the Hadron Collider from like made, had a huge break breakthrough about f what was that? Four years ago. I've thought that it's terrible, but I've really thought that the only way that we can fix things is by just finding another place to be. Like, just find any other wormhole in the universe to go exist in. Because oh, this boy. is this is just 
fall into That's shit. Dark. Yeah, I know, but like <laughs> anybody who can be the one who I don't know is the one who like finds the uh the 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 Christopher Columbus, if you will. The person who takes credit for discovering a new thing, but really it's a new place to go. But really, it's a thing that's always existed, and we go there and we kill everybody that's there, and we take it over, and it's like better. <laughs> it, the ne- the next, I think we need a Christopher Columbus, and then like three hundred years later, it'll fall out of vogue to be celebrating him because we'll be like, right. oh wow, the Carpathians <laughs> were people when you think about it. Like, and we fucking like we gave them all AIDS, and they died. Well, I, I got news for you. You know, I had mentioned that eventually we're going to start a little segment where I talk about my weird little theories. Um, but, but as, as, as my a little, face as, just lit up. My face as, lit up. As a little preview for you, um, I think the idea of us going somewhere else, uh, it, it's never going to happen. Period. Um, there, there's, there's simply no way that that's ever going to happen. Our species is going to die here. My philosophy on that is a little bit wider in scope, but it 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 boils down to the same thing. Um, if you took a, a piece of string, right, and you took that piece of string and stretched it from your house all the way four miles away to the Las Vegas Strip, and that string represented the five, six, seven billion years that the Earth is going to be around before it mm-hmm. just breaks up and you know, falls into the sun or, or, you know, gets sucked into a dying star. Um, you could find maybe a two or three inch length of that, uh, of, of that, um, that string that's five miles long, find two or three inches of it. That represents the entirety of human existence. Those two or three inches within Uh those, within those two or three inches is maybe a centimeter that represents the t- entirety of human existence where we are technically capable of even leaving the planet. Like where we figured it out, we had the resources, we, you know, we had the science and we had the 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 will to travel. Why Is this Q everybody? talking or is it Neil deGrasse Tyson? So, what are the <laughs> chances? Let's assume that we were a- ever able as people to get out of our solar system, which is like a which we aren't. It's a. It's a. It's a. On its own, right now, it would be hundreds year long journey. Um, but if some way we were able to do it, what are the chances that our little one centimeter is going to line up with any other planet's one centimeter and their intelligence and their moment in the planetary history where they're able to do those things? What are the odds? They're probably long past if they were ever able to do it, or nowhere nowhere within billions of years of happening it just there's just there's virtually no chance that we would ever when you think about it that way before we destroy ourselves like you say uh yeah i agree with you i just think that we won't ever even make it that far and i i do agree with everything you're saying that it timing wise it you know it's probably impossible or at least improbable but uh yeah, I don't think we're ever going to make it off the planet more than a little crew of people at a time. <laughs> by the by the way, if you could go to outer space and uh, you might not be able to return. Fuck an alien. Like... Wait, what were you going to ask? <laughs> it might not be able to return because you're fucking an alien. Would you do it? Oh, I thought I thought that question was going a complete different direction. 
Um, <laughs> uh, no, no, I wouldn't. Unless I could bring my family with me. Can I bring my family with me? No. Can I bring you? What if Monica bought the ticket? She said, "She said I got you a ticket. It's a nice trip. You, you might not leave. be coming home. You, I've been virtually assured that you won't be coming home. Your Uber <laughs> arrives in three minutes. <laughs> Say your goodbyes. His name is John. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd be fine with that. I mean, if it's if it's her choice, you know, I'd go like today." Fucking what? But no, you couldn't bring. You could not bring Sadie. You couldn't bring Harvey. Yeah, I, I love. I love my pups. I love my bear. Love my family. I love you. But I'd go. Really? But so much yeah. of it is going to be boring. It's just going to be like jagging around out there. Well, I'd kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> you can kill yourself. Here, with no, like, but I can't kill myself in outer space with ringdings and like pizza. <laughs> you can kill yourself. With, you can kill yourself with chicken wings. Do you think they'd let me bring chicken wings into outer space? No, I don't think so. There's got to be something about that. There's got to be a rule about like I would love to, and, and I would love that if it wasn't just like falling under a general organic material rule. I would love it if it was like a NASA no rule chicken about wings. chicken wings, no chicken wings. <laughs> By the way, last rule before you get, you finish years, decades of dedication when you were seven years old, you started taking care of yourself and, and, and studying and trying to become an astronaut because it was your dream for like you know you were impressed by like you know Buzz Aldrin, Sally Ride, and all these American heroes. And you get to be like twenty eight years old and you're going up for the first time, and they're like, "By the way, last thing, no chicken wings." No chicken wings. And you're like, "God damn it!" Imagine it glo- globs of zero gravity ranch just floating around. <laughs> <laughs> talked a second ago it was funny because we were talking about the, the, the crown prince over there and uh whenever i think of crown prince i think of clown prince where they used to talk about the joker the clown <laughs> prince of crime um the, the crown prince uh over there in um in in the kingdom of saudi arabia and uh specifically the 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 war that's being waged in yemen we talked about that a second ago talking about our time most interesting people I did a lot of reading this week, and so I was kind of putting together my thoughts on it. It's been a really interesting week for journalists who are actually trying to report on international news. International news is hard. It's really tough to report on. First of all, sourcing and public records barely exist. Second of all, people don't care. Like mostly, most of the country, most of the United States doesn't care. It's a slog to get people to care about it. It's really far away. We're super insulated in this country. We don't have any real call to care about those stories the big one that skated under the radar like i just said has been the humanitarian crisis in yemen Um, have you heard any stories about that have you been paying attention to that at all as a sort of tepid news consumer i no not really and i I did hear something about it but i have not been following it so the washington i think most people are like you the washington post had a deep dive on it um yemen is on the brink of horrible famine 
here's how things got so bad. And it's like a, an explainer, you know, going back a few years, some um, high level points, Yemen, for those of you that don't know, like you probably, uh, it's directly south of Saudi Arabia. It's had thousands of bombs dropped on it in the past two years. Um, it's subject right now to a crippling blockade that's keeping food and medicine and aid out. 80% of the country is food insecure. Yemen is the poorest country in the Middle East, and it's at war with a coalition of eight Middle Eastern states led by Saudi Arabia, which is the richest country in the region. It's being painted as a civil war. It's really not. It's more of a proxy war with uh, Saudi Arabia kind of going at it with Iran, who is a backer of, uh, of, of Yemen. Saudi Arabia is overwhelmingly Sunni, if you didn't know that. Uh, they have been um, bombing the Shia-controlled portions of Yemen for two years, trying to uproot Houthi rebels who are responsible for killing about a thousand people. But it's estimated that the Saudis have, in doing that, killed thousands of innocent Yemenis. 10,000 people have been killed. 40,000 people have been hurt. Almost a million people have will have cholera by the end of this year. Um, a Yemeni child is starving to death every 10 minutes right now. Yemen, at any moment, will devolve into famine. So last night, as I was putting my daughter to bed, I was watching 60 Minutes, just like you know any other dad or grandpa around the country. And um, they devoted their entire A block to Yemen. Uh, I think like 15 minutes they spent on primetime uh, talking about a lot of the same points that the Washington Post story did, but they showed a lot of um, a lot of more stark imagery. Kids that were barely breathing, infants who were dying. They showed a seven-year-old girl who only weighs 11 pounds. And it's really hard to watch. It's good journalism, or it's at least a good effort, because my problem isn't, with what was in the reports and what's being written, uh, but what isn't being written and what isn't being reported. Because this is this is an international story. It shares a lot of DNA with a lot of other foreign policy stories that are written for U.S. audiences. It's really easy to ignore. It's hard to watch. We don't see despair and bad things like that here in our country. We just don't. Not even the worst things that you see on the street, uh, you know, in the worst parts of, of this country compared to what's happening there. Maybe you watch it, you feel motivated, you make a really impassioned Facebook post about it afterwards, and then you, by and large you move on. The other thing is when the mainstream media does get around to telling these stories, they do it through a very specific lens where our country can rarely do anything wrong. Uh, and, and with a lot of these stories, it's easy to sort of tangentially be like, oh, well, you know, the U.S. Uh, bears some responsibility here too. In this story... We bear a lot of the responsibility, and no one is talking about it. 60 Minutes isn't talking about it. The Washington Post article didn't mention once the U.S. involvement in what's happening in uh, Yemen. They made really earnest attempts, I think, to make people aware of the crisis. But like I said, there are three big words missing, the United States. The fact is that along with Great Britain, we... The U.S. are responsible for this crisis. We are arming Saudi Arabia. We are promoting the blockade. The guns and the ships and the planes used to kill, used to starve people. It's sold by us, serviced by us. This is as much our war as anybody else's. It's true that every day, your country, all of us, most of the people probably listening to this podcast, you're not just complicit, but you're actively helping enforce the blockade, the bombing, all the death, distended bellies on little babies, intubated toddlers whose brains are probably never going to grow up, grow properly, who are probably going to be stunted physically and mentally for life, whole generation of Yemen, Yemen's kids that are going to be lost. 
You're a citizen of one of those countries that is doing things like that. That when we hear shit like that happening, we're like, oh my god, that's evil. How can those people that live in that country allow that to happen? Don't they know what's going on? Well, you live in a country like that. And you might be ignorant, but claiming ignorance is not going to save us. I'm going to tell you why, using myself as an example. And this is my point. I can tell you, I'm honest with myself. I don't have any illusions that I'm not a saint. I'm not Jesus. I'm not some super nice person even, really. I'm not above pettiness. I'm not above vengeance. If some country's military campaign resulted in my daughter dying, if I was forced to watch her starve to death and waste away, and I knew more or less who was who was responsible for it, if I knew where those ships that were blocking the food, where they were coming from, where the guns and missiles and the fighter jets were built, and who allowed it to happen, who made it happen, my first instinct would be revenge. Being an American, I'm lucky because none of those things are ever going to happen to me. Nobody is ever going to kill my child from uh, some state-sponsored military aggression. But if it did happen, I'd be lucky because I'm an American. I have the option of joining the most powerful military that's ever existed. Um, Or I could join Blackwater. Or I could join one of the other paramilitary organizations out there that would give me a chance to spray gunfire like in the general direction of the people who I think are responsible for killing my kid. I know I would do that because I'm not above it. That's probably what I would do. And that would be what my life would become about. But what if I was from a place without military or a global fighting force and no real might? I doubt that I would just get over it. I wouldn't just get on with my life. More likely, I'd go find somebody, some group, anybody who would give me a chance at revenge. I would find a way to get to that responsible country, find a soft target, strap a bomb to my chest, and get revenge. And if you think that that makes me evil and you think that you wouldn't do the same thing, And that that makes you good, fine. That's fine. But I think the only difference between you and me is that I understand the only difference between a normal person and a radicalized person is how much they've lost. The people in Yemen are losing everything right now. So maybe you're not compassionate enough to just be outraged about foreign kids dying, and that's fine. Let's see how compassionate you are when 19 Yemeni men on student visas or under assumed identities fly a plane into Capitol Hill Or blow up the lobby of the Empire State Building. Or let's see how compassionate you are when these terrorist organizations actually figure out how to really scare the shit out of us. And they start sending all these grieving fathers and grieving brothers and husbands into Walmarts and Publix and Albertsons or county fairs or fucking tractor pulls or WrestleMania. And I have a feeling you're going to be a little bit more compassionate then. By the way, this is not a political issue. This is something that started under Obama. He advised maybe a little bit more caution. He wasn't such a full-throated supporter of Saudi Arabia, not like the Trump administration has been, um, but the effects were the same. And if Clinton had been elected, she might not have been caught on camera doing some fucking sword dance like an idiot. She probably wouldn't have been um, seen leering over a glowing orb like Mumra from Thundercats. She probably wouldn't have been allowed to go to the Toby Keith concert because she's a woman, actually. She would have been let in there. Uh, but she was just as friendly, if not more friendly, with the kingdom. It is a foregone conclusion that this policy would have been exactly the same. We'd be in the exact same place. And you're supposed to end these rants you know, with calls to action. Like, I should tell you to donate to UNICEF or to rescue.org. You can do that if you want to make yourself feel better. And I'll even give you a second right now to shut off this podcast and fast forward before I ruin it. But, okay, are you ready? Good, because none of that matters.
There's no aid getting there. There's no action that you can take. There's nothing you can do. We've already, as a country, taken action through our inaction. You can call your congressman. You can complain. It doesn't matter if they're Democrat, if they're a Republican. They have no reason to take this. To, to take This is a political tar baby. They don't want to touch it. There's no reason for them to. There's no benefit for them to. Every day in Yemen, in Syria, in Iraq, we make new enemies, not states or geo- geopolitical ones. Actual people are becoming your enemy every day. You know, the New York Times published a, a report, another thing I read over the weekend. We are killing 30 times as many innocent civilians in Iraq as we thought we were. So with all of our bombing runs that we're doing, there was X amount of times that we thought we were act- that we were having, uh, you know, casualties, the incidental, innocent people that were being killed. According to this New York Times report, it's 30 times that number. We are a country that is devolving into a state where we used to pretend that we hated war crimes, and now we don't even fucking care to pretend. So 60 Minutes and the Washington Post don't need to acknowledge it. They don't need to include our government's name in their stories. They don't need to talk about the U.S. involvement, honestly, because the people who are becoming our enemy every day know exactly who we are. And while we're bitching about like Uber Eats being 10 minutes late and the iPhone X being sold out, and after they get done burying and mourning their children and recovering from fucking cholera, once they find the right organization to join with the right connection to get them a visa to come to the U.S. or to sneak in across a border or something like that, get ready because we're going to see them again, just like we did in 2001. So that's my whole rant on Yemen. What do you think, Dave? Well, I think this would be a good time for my Justice League review. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's that's the long and short of it. I, I, I know this isn't something that you follow. Most people don't follow. And, oh, yeah. I mean, to my own, not like, not like I'm, you know, particularly incredibly versed on the subject. I'm a normal American. I'm not, I don't work in the news anymore. I haven't for a few years. So, it's... It's it's a bunch of chickens that are so close to coming home to roost. And every time that it happens, we're always shocked. We can't believe that they hate us so much, that they hate us for our freedoms, and they hate us because they're just evil. And, yeah, I mean, like, it's easy to do that, especially when people look different than you. But that's not how people are. People aren't just evil. People don't just, I mean, except for Charles Manson. Uh, people, people aren't just randomly evil there's motivations and there's there's reasons that people do things and all you have to do is look at situations like this and realize there is a motivation behind it it, i i think it has so little to do with religion i think people find the refuge in the in the religion i think they find um comfort in islam or whatever you know christianity during these trying times for them but they're is a predicate underlying thing that that brings them to it and makes them want to do that uh and i mean shit we sure give them enough reason to we give them plenty of reason to 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 hate us and it ain't for our freedoms it's that's not what they're hating about us i think i think um you know part of the problem is that it's you know and I, I, I'm not trying to defend uninformed people, but I think... Uh, and now, representing the uninformed people. <laughs> right, yeah. I think the, the, the part about that there's nothing you could do makes people 
you know, look the other way, you know? Um, it makes those of us, you know, with a brain and a heart, like myself, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> look the other way and just, you know, move on to the next story. It makes those of us without a brain and a heart uh, spread the idea that it's just the religion, you know, just yeah. by default, the religion makes you hate America and hate us, and, you know, um, you know, but I, I just don't know that there's any way to change that way of thinking without any kind of, uh, you know, something for them to do about it, uh, because of fear, you know, fear is, uh, especially for people that are uninformed, fear makes them do stupid shit. <laughs> you know and if, uh if only there was like a team of metahuman you know superheroes <laughs> who could like do something about all this right so right. tell us about fucking justice league dave let me just say <laughs> I, just... I actually i actually don't want to review justice league i was that was just so i guess we could pop into what it is that we loved and we hated from the um the week that oh, was good well, let me do my hate first, since uh, it actually has to do with Justice League. Get it, girl. Uh, yeah, yeah. So what I hate is Justice League opened with. Hold on, let me let me um let me bring it up exactly, just so I have the exact numbers. Um, I, it was night numbers. <laughs> um, I don't know how much it grossed, but I'll find. Um, this movie broke a record. <laughs> oh my god! It did ninety-four million in America. Um, I know that, and I'm trying to find the international. Oh, okay, uh, one hundred and eighty-five million international, which brings it up to a worldwide for one week of two hundred and eighty-one million dollars. And is that is that good it, anymore? Like for a movie like okay. this? So here, here's where my hate comes in, okay? Every single headline talks about how big of a flop this movie is. I haven't seen that. Is that true? Yes, every single headline. If you go to some entertainment sites today, they all talk about how big of a flop it is. Nowadays, and this is a, a an, it's especially true for DC movies for some reason. I don't understand why, and I'm not, I'm not gonna sit here and defend them. I don't think they're great. These movies, but no, I mean, there's, they're, there's, they're no, fine. you're right. There's some built-in. Um, yeah. Anybody who's writing about culture or writing about entertainment, there's a built-in bias against Zack Snyder, in yeah. kind of the same way that there's a built-in bias against Michael Bay. I mean, honestly, they both fucking suck. So maybe that's yeah. the bias. <laughs> They're both terrible. But like, there is. I'm sorry, the way, Chad. The, the way that you, <laughs> the way that you roll your eyes when you're like, oh, fucking Michael Bay movie, uh, is kind of becoming the way that people roll their eyes when they're like, oh, a Zack Snyder movie. Right, right. But but it's it goes beyond, and that is absolutely true. But it goes beyond that. Like it, it's. If a movie doesn't open with the number one box office of all time, it is immediately a flop. And yeah. I, I I don't know how they're ever going to get out of this. You're cycle. right. It is it is a flop. Oh, wait. It's crazy. No, you're arguing how that is... it's a perception issue. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, that's exactly right. It's a perception issue. $94 million plus another 180 or whatever that I just said 
uh, overseas is not a flop by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it's almost made it back its budget in one week. Uh, that's not including advertising and all that, but um, I'm sure it will by by a long shot. It also, and I don't have this up in front of me, but I believe it was a um, counting international. It was a bigger opening than Thor and a bigger opening than Wonder Woman. Wow. I think I think it was second only to Batman vs Superman, which we all know everybody seems to hate. Well, wait, hang it was, on. It let's, was fine. Let's but... explain what it means when you say when you count international. What's really going on is you're talking about China, because that's right, the right. big line of demarcation for a movie financially, whether it's going to be viable or successful or not, is if they're able to get it in China, because only twenty some odd movies are allowed into China from from right, the, right. only twenty or some odd. Hollywood movies are allowed into China, and China, of course, has you know a burgeoning or burgeoned middle class that actually goes to watch movies similar to the U.S. But imagine five times the population of the U.S. Um, so I would assume, not knowing this for a fact, that Batman versus Superman was one of the movies that was allowed in China. Right, it was, and and it it did huge there, um, and. That's why, you know, exactly like you said, it's a perception issue. And I don't understand how we're ever going to reverse it. It just seems to be the trend in Hollywood. It's perverts and (laughs) movies are flops unless they were number one of all time. You know who would agree with you right now? Uh Uh, Who's in the, uh, you know, framed his masterpiece, framed against history. Uh, maybe shouldn't des- get be as maligned as it is. Doesn't deserve as much um, discredit as it gets. Is mm-hmm. Tom Green because my hate is what I just found out is that a movie that you and I watched, and I think you shared I tagged this, you in this. Yes, you sir. tagged me this. You tagged yeah. me in this. A movie that you and I have always loved since like the early days of our friendship. A little movie called uh, Freddy Got Fingered. By Tom Green, the opus of, of former MTV prank star Tom Green turned, I don't know, Starbucks barista. I don't know. Like, well, I don't know what he is does now. I have no idea. Actually, he's he's a straight up stand up comic now. Awesome. Which perfect must be weird. And it must be really I weird. Have no idea. It must be very strange <laughs> seeing him do stand up because he was like. If you took Andy Kaufman and removed the elevation, it was just and like that was what his gig was. One day we're gonna have to get into our whole fight about how how Andy Kaufman never did anything funny. Andy Kaufman's not funny. He never told any jokes. And how you hate let's, that I said that. Let, let's save it. Yeah, another day. Just know if you're listening to this, there's never been somebody as influential in the world of comedy who every comedian in the modern age says was their biggest influence who never told a joke who never actually got up and said a joke and i understand his cultural importance and how he was sort of um you know an 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 echo of andy warhol and the commentary on fame and all that i get it but he's supposed to be a comedian and he never told a joke okay i will I'll forget it we'll talk about andy kaufman another time um we'll save it we'll save that one but tom green Freddy Got Fingered, a movie that if you've heard of it, probably you only know it derisively or you know it know of it in 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 uh, negative in a negative light. It he Tom Green was being uh, interviewed recently and and posited a really interesting theory that I had never thought of. And 
it made me so angry that we never got to see a Freddy Got Fingered sequel because of this. So what Green says, what he told the interviewer is, number one, on its merit, just straight up box office, Freddy Got Fingered made back its budget and its marketing. So it wasn't a financial flop. It made back like 16 million bucks. The movie cost 16 million bucks to make. So it wasn't a flop. It was just a movie that made back its budget. Lots it was not a flop. It was not a flop. It was not a <laughs> flop, puppy. It was not a flop. Um, it was not a flop. Uh, so that's one thing. But he posited a really interesting conspiracy theory that I had never heard about this movie. And that is, a huge, this is true, uh, that a lot of his fans, a huge amount of his fans, who were most looking forward to seeing that movie, we're under the age of 18, 17 and under, for sure. This is and when we were 20. We were 20. <laughs> <laughs> and in love with this stupid And still movie. watching it on, on DVD at 24. Like, we're still watching it years later. <laughs> um, it's fair to say that a huge cross-section of his fans at that time were under the age of 18. Uh, this movie was rated R. This was an R-rated movie. So um, what he said, and he cited some anecdotal evidence that he, you know, having been involved in Hollywood, specifically living in Hollywood and being in the movie industry at that time, what he said was, it's an open secret. Everybody knows that a lot of my fans, a huge number of my fans, were buying tickets to Crocodile Dundee 3 and sneaking into Freddy Got Fingered. He said, if you went opening weekend to into Freddy Got Fingered, you could buy a ticket at any showing in L.A., uh, but when you got into the movie theater, it was packed, and you couldn't find a seat, and it was standing room only, fill, filled with like young young, uh, young viewers who probably shouldn't have been there. Um, and that, that makes me so pissed, because <laughs> who, who knows what Tom Green would have gone on to do? <laughs> Right. <laughs> Who knows? Like, Freddy Got Fingered was a f- objectively great movie. <laughs> Roger Ebert said that it's not the bar- bottom of the barrel. It's just you can't even speak about it in the same sentence as the barrel. It's offensive to the barrel <laughs> to, to use the same sentence. Yeah, I remember that review. I saw it. <laughs> Does that piss you off? That has to piss you off, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It pisses me off. Especially for all for for it pisses me off for all cult comedy, you know that yeah. that it, it can never seem to catch a break in any way, shape, or form. It just always has to get uh, you know, people need to talk about it like as if they were big flops and they were. But they 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 have their fans. They have huge fan bases. These movies, you know. Are you masturbating right now? There's like some skin rubbing happening. Oh, sorry, I scratched my leg there. <laughs> <laughs> do you have your like? Do you have the the, the mic like mic'd up to your dick or something? What are you doing? My mic is literally about 18 inches away from my leg. Because <laughs> I have my legs up. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, should I use my omnidirectional mic? No, I'm gonna use my dick pointer. The one that focuses in on my general lap area, <laughs> sir. I think that uh, you know the guy at Guitar Center is like, sir. I think that this for your podcast would probably be better, and it's a it's a good you know it's a good microphone. It'll pick up some ambient noise, but mostly just what's. No, I want one that points at my dick. I want everyone to hear me scratching my leg like I have fleas. 
<laughs> so that was my hate. What's your love? What do you love? What'd you love? Uh, I didn't really give it much thought, but I do Great. have something. I, I just thought of it while we, were just, while we were sitting here just laughing. But um, my love is uh, Maria Bamford's show Lady Dynamite on Netflix, um, which is absolutely hilarious. And I'm about halfway through season two right now, uh, which just came out this past week. Uh, have you watched that? No, I didn't watch season one either yet. I, I, I do oh, want to, man. though. She's funny. And I've heard some oh interviews God. with her, and uh, she's bonkers. Like, she's authentically so real crazy. bonkers. Yeah, and that's and that's part of what makes the show so great is that it, it deals with that. You know, it, it deals with uh, mental illness a lot, like serious mental illness. But it's so just bizarre, and it's, it, it's like basically like a mentally ill version of Curb Your Enthusiasm, you know? It's like... It's so out there, and there was one episode um, where I I genuinely thought that I had fallen asleep and I was dreaming <laughs> while I was watching it. That so that's like, how weird it is. It's like surrealist type comedy, yeah. or yeah, yeah. And I th- I think you'll love it. I mean, it, she's clearly you know got like an Amy Sedaris streak in her, you know, and I, I think you'll love it. Which actually is another thing. Have you been watching Amy Sedaris's show? No, I've been falling down on that. I really want to see Amy Sedaris is one of the most like important comedic figures in my life. Yeah. She's hilarious. She's the best thing that's ever happened since sliced bread. And it's I so fucking, funny. I haven't watched any of it. I, I, I really I've only watched it. the first episode so far. I have them all DVR'd, but all um, I saw is the commercial where she like she like walks out like very grand grandiosely and like wait, puts her arms up and is like, "Welcome to my home," and her pants fall off. <laughs> it's so perfect. so for me my love is uh actually got to go out a little bit this weekend went to the um went to uh the miami book fair which is over now so there's no point in plugging it really but i just want to generally like plug the concept of book fairs because um in miami we have a huge one i don't think we have one in vegas we didn't have one back when i lived there the 10 years i lived in vegas um but there's nothing better than a book fair. If there's one in your town, for those of you in southern states right now, it's starting to become cooler weather. And sometimes they do it during the, the cooler weather. Um, go to the fucking book fair. Get out there. Uh, I also love, at our book fair, Al Franken had to cancel at the last minute he was supposed to speak. <laughs> so much love, Al. Uh, resign. Just resign. <laughs> Don't make it. Don't make it a whole conversation, man. It doesn't have to be a whole big national dialogue. Just resign, and it'll be easier for everybody if you just do it. Um, I kind of think you should resign. <laughs> From what exactly? Which I don't of know. My things. I don't know. What if? What if you did something terrible and people were calling for your job and they like went to your dad and they were like, "You need to fire him," and he's like, "Ah, he's. I'm proud of him. Glad he did it." I think. <laughs> Here's what I think. He should he should be rewarded and cherished like a good boy. Your impression of my dad is starting to sound part reptile. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, as if your dad's not part reptile. <laughs> I'm not worried about it cuz he would have to hear this to know I said that about him. 
which would mean that he would have to like use his phone in a way that he's never used it before. I'd have to install an apt. That's what he calls them. <laughs> apt. A A P T. An apt. You have to be apt at this <laughs> particular function. And that term, the the term apt, applies to both apps and bookmarks. They're the same thing. <laughs> There's a great t- Tim and Eric sketch where they um where they prank call a uh, uh, IT service and. <laughs> and and Tim Tim Heidecker is just saying like, um, yeah, well, I don't know. I, I restarted my phone. Or I, I reset. I restarted my computer, and now I can't find my now I can't find my sites. Where are all my sites? And he just keeps saying <laughs> he keeps asking for his sites over and over. And the, the IT person is trying to figure out what he's asking for. He's like, my sites, and they're all gone now. I don't have any sites. Oh, that would make me so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Blood is boiling just thinking of it. Just thinking about like, <laughs> my sites. <All> sites. <laughs> Where are all my sites? They're gone now. I restarted. Look, I restarted the computer. I pushed the button, the control alt and delete, and now there's no sites. I can't <laughs> find them anywhere. <laughs> That's how it must have felt. I just got a I just got a Nokia phone over the weekend and um I was, and I'm, I haven't used Android since like the Evo one, like nine years ago, and uh, and I was texting Dave. I was texting you like, "Hey, how do I find Wi-Fi? <laughs> how do I open the camera?" <laughs> that you couldn't find it. I was just like, "What is he doing? Like, <laughs> he's just not looking." All right. So again. Listen to Kings Without Crowns. Jewish Dave was on the show. We're yes. going to get on more people's podcasts. That's in the works. You're going to get to hear us in other places. You're going to get to hear Jewish Dave stumble while people try to talk to him about sports. And he has no input. <laughs> he has zero things to say. Introducing our guest, Jewish Dave. Uh, hey, Jewish Dave. What do you think about basketball? Fucking crickets. For like... <laughs> for like for like hours I mean, we on all it. know we all know that about me by now though so uh maybe next week we'll expected. have maybe next week we'll have our first guest i'm gonna work on that so tune in next week to hear maybe another voice that's not just ours um don't forget to subscribe on uh, itunes google play soundcloud all of the various podcatching devices stitcher um what do you got dave anything you want to plug Anything I want to plug? Not really. Just this podcast. You gotta, you gotta start making shit up. By the way, you gotta start doing. Those guys asked you, like, hey, you want to talk about like any of your upcoming shows? And you're like, I don't do shows. And, like, <laughs> you shut it right down like that. You're just like, I don't do that. Don't ask me about shows. <laughs>